What's going on guys and welcome back. We're in the last week of January, so we have Infinity Conquest and today we're going to talk about the best decks in Marvel Snap that you can be playing to hopefully net you a Conquest win. We're also breaking down the newest card to come out Tuesday, Beta Ray Bill, a beloved character by many. Beta is going to look to add a big spice to the Jane Thor decks in Marvel Snap. We're going to break down what we think about the card, the combos, and is he worth going after. And then lastly, we're going to talk about cards on the rise. A couple of cards and archetypes are super spicy, but you got to play them while you can. We're going to talk about that all today more in this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Alex, the one and only coach. How you doing, buddy? Good week and snap. Twitch drops were success. We had Grandmaster Madness. The meta is all over the place in a good way, I think. How's it going over there? Hey, I'm doing great, Cozy. My question for you is, how are you doing? Last week, you had to get a generator just so we could record. Why don't we fill in the audience what's going on this week? Because apparently, it's never easy for Cozy Snap to record a podcast. Never, man. We got the fiber coming in. F finally, I've been uploading the internet with like two sticks over here. But finally, I got a little bit of fiber coming in. So it is another late night podcast. But that does not stop us over here. Good Monday to all of you guys. And we have ourselves a pretty good week in Snap. We got a new card coming. We got the OTA coming as well. Another update to some of the balance, I believe, coming to this Thursday, buddy. And this is it. This is the wrap up week of the month of January. The Infinity Conquest is now open as well. We got a lot to break down, buddy. So tell me about it. How was the Twitch drops? What were the decks you were playing the most this week? Obviously, a lot of Grandmaster testing. Hit me. Yeah, so I played like a complete asinine amount of Grandmaster. Like this is the most I've ever played a singular yeah. card on its release. Simply because it aligned with the Twitch drops and I streamed for like three days straight when I wasn't working, of course. I certainly wasn't sleeping, but I was playing a lot of Grandmasters. Oh, we, I have a, we have a ton to talk about on the, on the next side there. And I'm really excited to have that discussion with you because, I mean, you brewed couple absolute monstrosity beauties i've never seen anything i can't wait to talk about it and uh honestly i think twitch drops are great i think the meta is in a pretty good spot i feel like so many different decks can win right now yeah and you're seeing it when we talk about like in terms of statistical analysis like a lot of decks like it feels like the win rates are kind of like squishing a little bit you're getting a lot less like 63 percent win rate decks everything seems to be kind of coming in close to each other a lot more competitive and you like to see that i think the the meta feels pretty good right now it does yeah i'm excited to break it down i think the the adjustments the last ota did just enough to make it you know where the meta is competitive again a couple stats and win rates are kind of messed up because you have we've had a couple of locations this month kamar taj and the other one being altar of death so like destroy you know maybe on reveal a little bit twisted numbers but for the most part yeah, there's nothing that's like sticking like crazy. So we're going to talk about that all over here. Alex, we know we're talking Grandmaster. What else are we talking about on your side of the Snapchat? Of course, we will be talking about Grandmaster in review and giving our decks impressions and general thoughts. We'll also be discussing the top 10 cards of Snap with regards to win rate. And there's a couple absolute surprises on that list. And I can't wait to dive deep into that. And then, of course, we'll be closing it off with this week's Snapchat mailbag. Well, buddy, we've got ourselves a very unique card coming out this week. And just like every card, you know, usually like Grandmaster, we put like a whole hour to discussion towards them. And even after that hour, and even after all this week of playtesting, I still think we're just like scratching the surface on some of what he can do. Beta Ray Bill is going to be this week's new card, probably a little bit less flexible than the Grandmaster by a, a large margin, and a somewhat unique spotlight cache. Now, right off the bat, I'm not too crazy about the spotlight. Now, you you could say there's going to be three now Series 5 cards, one spotlight. We do like that. Should they open spotlights? Traditionally, this was like the week to skip. 
I yep. think. Like that's kind of the way it was working out. However, like, listen, you're gonna want to have Galactus in your collection. Like Galactus is one of those cards whether you love him or hate him, you want him in your your collection at least. And Elsa, Elsa has completely fallen off the radar. But I wonder, I wonder, we have no information, but I'm just throwing a hunch out here. So if I'm right, it's pure luck. But I wonder if Elsa's like an OTA candidate. Yeah. Like I really do. Because like I wonder if like you got an OTA coming this week, she's in the spotlight caches. She needs a number change, right? I think that she needs to either do plus three or like, I don't know if they can make her do all the locations again at plus two. Elsa has felt like it's completely dropped off and the card was so fun. Yes, it was overpowered when it launched. Yes, it had to get tuned down, but it provided a play style that was entirely unique. And I miss it. I miss it. I yeah. miss playing Jeff into it. I miss playing Vision into it. I miss that mobility style archetype. So I wouldn't su be surprised if this Thursday comes around and Elsa gets some love. If it's like a plus three or it does all the locations again, which is a text change, which is less likely, of course. If that happens, then like, again, Elsa's a card you want to have in your collection. But if that doesn't happen and you already have Galactus, then this is probably a skip. Well, and, you know, they always try to put cards in with the cards that, you know, maybe there's some synergy there. And, you know, hey, maybe Beta Ray Bill likes Elsa getting a little bit of extra power to go over the top. You know, we're going to have to see. But I would not be, you know, surprised if we did get a OTA to Elsa. So let's let's talk about him. Do you know anything about him other than he looks like a uh, a horse with with a hammer? He almost looks like a meme that you would see on like Adult Swim or something. Yeah, I'm trying to make my way through a lot of the lore and stuff in the comics. I've not gotten to Beta Ray Bill yet. I have no idea. But in just kind of passing and seeing comments on Twitter, on Reddit and stuff, this might be one of the most, like, is this guy beloved? Like, I don't understand. Like, everyone seems to like Beta Ray Bill. That's kind of the impression I'm getting. He's a deeper cut. He's definitely a deeper cut amongst, like, MCU, right? The Marvel Cinematic Universe. But for comic fans, you do have a lot of love for him. The best way to describe him, and, and again, I've only read, like, one comic with him, and from like my impression of him is he's essentially Thor. Okay. But Thor is like, he's Thor has a lot of personality to him. Right. And there's a bunch of different things going on with Thor and like his arc. Whereas beta Ray bill is kind of just a badass. Like that's the best way to put it. Like he's just always like aggressive, not aggressive, like mad, but he's just always kind of, you know, the mighty Thor per se, if you will. And then of course people at least know his, his token card. Stormbreaker, that's obviously pretty big in the MCU, obviously a bit different on how it was used there. But so Beta Ray Bill Alex is a four cost six power card. And when you play him, he has the on reveal of shuffling Stormbreaker into your deck. Kind of like Mjolnir as a token card, but Stormbreaker is a zero cost one power card. And when it's played, it doubles Beta Ray Bill's power. Let's go to talk about the Asgardian here, Beta Ray Bill, and, and, and how we think he's going to be in Marvel Snap. So as we always do, first impressions right off the rip, Alex. And listen, I love this, but it's tough. Marvel Snap is tough to rate cards, and this is just a gut feeling. This is before we get to play. What are you ranking him? I originally had him at two stars, but he did get buffed. If I'm not mistaken, he was a 4-5 when we originally evaluated him. Am I wrong to say he was buffed to a 4-6? We gave him, funny enough, dude, we gave him three stars. Both of us, whenever we did the initial ranking, and that was at the four or five. He's a four six now, and so you, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. So, what's your what? Are, what are you saying for the ranking? I, I'm willing to go to three. I'm willing to stay at three. I was leaning like low three. Maybe that's why I was thinking I had said two. I, my expectation is a little tempered here, which of course means he's going to be the best card in Marvel Snap. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what I mean? but honestly, I, my expectations are tempered. So this is who he reminds me of in in some ways, like the best way outside of Thor. Okay, right. Kind of Black Panther, right? So Black Panther's not in every deck, right? In the decks he's in, he wins. He does good. He does really good in those decks, but he's not all over the place. 
And that is where I have Beta Ray Bill, like kind of at like a 2.5, right? Uh, because yeah. I feel like in the deck that he's in, and not like Meek. Meek has an archetype. Beta Ray kind of has a deck, a, a, a deck or two, if you will. Uh, so Beta Ray Bill for me, about a 2.5, guys. And that has largely a lot to do about his flexibility and just his overall usage there. And then if you look at like the fun factor, I feel like Grandmaster kind of itches that scratch way more than Beta. So I, I feel like they should have separated those cards a little bit by a couple of weeks, right? And we're kind of getting them back to back. That's at least the way that I look at it. So, you know, happen to be proven wrong here. That being said, the decks that he's in is one of my most played as of the last two months. So I am very excited about said deck. And I have a lot to speak on it because I've, you know, done a lot of testing around it, bud. So 2.5, you're saying 3, 2.5, somewhere in that area for both of us, kind of right on the money. So Alex, I think we could just get right into it, man. Let's talk synergy. Let's talk the deck that we are referring to. Nothing too crazy, nothing too surprising here. It's the Jane Thor deck, right? It's all about yeah. Jane. It's always been that deck, yeah. Uh, so Jane Foster. Jane Foster. Here's the thing about her. Now, a lot of people like to go back to March last year. I think it was March, maybe a little bit uh, later in the year. But we had Jane Jaw, very popular deck. Was kind of all over the place for a while. It was the main way to play Lockjaw. And then, of course, we have the we, we it was a Jane Evo deck actually for a while, right? We had a Jane and High Evo yeah. kind of going together now. Then they nerfed the Lockjaw, the Wasp, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So those are like the main decks, but uh, we're seeing more and more that Jane is just being played with Thor in these mixed packages, right? It could be in like a Valkyrie deck, the Double Zeros deck, right? And, and then the yeah. way to be able to utilize Wasp and Yellow Jacket alongside Mjolnir and now Stormbreaker. Heck, I don't even know if that deck will work anymore because there's going to be too many zero token cards which was kind of like never an issue and then of course mr negative that's the other place that jane is but that's obviously not gonna be relevant today i mean i'll just get right to it bud the thing i think people are overlooking to talk about the pros is the absolute nut play line right like forget just playing thor on three jane on five that feels really strong when you can get that going with the other things you can do in the deck clearly we know that's going to be great now you've got this guy you got beta ray bill coming to town who's even a bigger liftoff, right? Getting the potential 12 power. So if you don't get Thor, awesome. And then you've got the super nut, which is going to be Thor beta into Jane, which if my calculations are correct, but I mean, what are you putting? 10 power, 13 power technically with the Stormbreaker and then at least eight with her plus everything else you've played, right? So that's, that's definitely some potential there. Yeah, there's a ton of burst, a ton yeah. of burst there. And I mean, that's why Sandman exists. That's why Leech exists, right? Like those are the release valves for a deck like this. But you're right. Like it turns into this, this turn six extreme burst play. And I mean, don't, don't scoff at the fact that Jane Foster th themselves is a five, eight, like that's a pretty yeah. strong stat line, right? So yeah, you're right. And what I like about what you just said is that it's not reliant necessarily on Lockjaw. Now, classic kind of Thor based decks, Jane Foster based decks are often running Lockjaw. And like, I've been trying to pen and pa pen and pa paper kind of like this, like non lockjaw based deck where you play on curve, like you're suggesting, I think it could work. However, I still think that lockjaw will be in those decks as a backup plan for the way the draws work and stuff like that. Cause let's be honest, it's way too good to play something like a hammer into the, the lockjaw on turn six, get a free rotation, get the plus six, play down the Stormbreaker. Like that is a huge, huge turn, right? So I still think that Lockjaw has a role to play, but you're right. There's nothing wrong with playing Thor on three, you know, a beta ray on four and then Jane on five. There's just nothing wrong with it. I mean, you're probably going to win if you get said play line, right? Like, and what's cool about it is now you can do Thor or beta 
And then you have Jane. And let's not forget, having finally, like, synergy there. Like, we finally have two potential Thors, kind of, is nice. That's huge. That's a lot of extra power. And then we can take that way over the top. And that's where we're going to kind of start getting to get carried away. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. It's either Lockjaw and Jane Jaw. And then you're probably going to play Beta, Thor, and then just big, big cards, right? Or you're going to be looking to do just these interesting reveal packages mixed with these three cards, if you will, right? So we, we obviously didn't talk about them, but I mean, just talking about finishing that off, you play all those cards down. You have 10 on Thor, 13 between Stormbreaker and Beta, and then you have the eight on Jane. But you throw down the Godfather, the Almighty. You're putting another eight. You're taking Thor to 16. You're taking Beta to 24, and you're going to win the game by a, by a handsome amount. Now, Alex, what I like is even if you don't get this, let's just say you get Beta, you're still talking... 2425 with the token, 25 power, beta ray build, and let's just say Odin and Jane together 16, just those cards. I mean, it has more ways to win now in that more honest shell, not the lockjaw. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like on paper, like you kind of don't need the lockjaw anymore. And yeah, you're relying on the draw and everything, but yeah, like it's kind of insane. And we did see Odin in the past playing with Thor, and it was kind of like a greedier deck that not a lot of people tried, right? Yeah. But this year, now you have two reasons to run it this way, right? And then you can run much more of like like a like a just a just a good cards package early on, right? Honestly, like I do think there's a lot of potential for Beta Ray Bill. And it's funny, you, you brought up a Black Panther, but I was thinking about how it was analogous to something like a Dokken. And Dokken obviously doubles its power as well, but at a lower initial stat line. And I don't think that Dokken has a much inherent synergistic play as the Asgardians apparently do, right? Uh, all these Asgardian synergies, I think, can really pop off, whereas I think you have to work a little harder for Dokken. Of course, the shard goes to your hand, which is useful. It's not in your deck. Yeah. But we got Jane for that, right? So, I mean, we got answers. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting experimentation. Yeah, so that's a great point because here's the deal. You can add, so we were talking about Elsa a little bit, right? And how you can add some power to Mr. Beta Ray because what's really cool about this guy is essentially if you're able to even give this guy a little bit of love, all right, Ironheart, you've got obviously the Elsa pick. I think Elsa's not going to make it into the list, you know, but I do, you know, that's another card that gives power. You could go with something like, yeah, Okoye. I think it's going to be more honest. Like, it's kind of the Black Panther effect, Alex, where people try to get, like, 120-powered Black Panther. I'm pretty sure just 24 is going to get the job done most of the time for this guy, right? And maybe being a little bit greedy. Now, speaking of greedy, we talked about this a couple, I would say almost a month ago at this point, that Wong, maybe it was when Meat came out, that Wong is starting to not really be a greedy card like he used to be, right? Like, this, Wong used to just be pure. If you're running Wong in a deck, you're kind of like, oh, okay, you're... you're this guy's playing the Wong deck. Whereas now he's just kind of like a nice com complimentary piece. I would say even more so with Grandmaster. I mean, hey, buddy. Wong and or Grandmaster. Either one of those cards with this is going to be great. What's kind of hilarious about Wong is that Wong was like the original greedy pop-off card, right? That's how numbers got bigger. And as we've gotten more cards in Snap over its like release, the numbers in Snap have just gotten larger, right? Yeah. I mean, we had Blob. I mean, you had a video where Bob was like, what, 100 something? Yeah. Like, let's be honest, right? Like, but the numbers are getting out of control. So Wong's ability to pump numbers kind of was like, ah, Wong's Wong. Who cares, yep. right? Yep. And I feel like there used to be nothing scarier than a Wong just sitting there. But now we have more tools for Wong, 
right? Yep. We got, well, we've always had Cosmo, right? We've always had Cosmo, but Magneto is in the meta now. Huge, and Magneto yeah. obviously destroys Wong in, in a lot of ways as well. I'm seeing a whole lot of Rogue. I don't know about you, Rogue's all over the place and never, never obvious, right? Rogue just comes out, right? And Enchantress is making some shells and particularly the, the Shuri shells, which aren't exactly popular right now but still enchantress is out there as well. So yeah, I absolutely agree. And like, you can actually slip Wong to more decks now because Zabu is making a comeback as well. So you're not committing that like, oh, turn four to Wong and whatever. Like you can do that, but sometimes you sneak him on turn three. Maybe you get some additional value with something like an Ironheart early and then you play uh, Odin on top with Stormbreaker. And you got these different play lines with Wong that didn't quite exist before. So it, it's a good call out, Cozy. Well, outside of that, man, I do also want to just talk about, we've seen these like Annihilus packages kind of just creeping all up, right? Junk is dead, LOL, just kidding, it's not, right? You've got the Century, the Hood, and Annihilus, Yellow Jacket in here, Summon from the J, made a deck guide on this not too long ago, I like to call it the, the Thor's Toxic Terror. Listen, this deck I think is going to be my probably number one pick for the perfect home, because you've got yourself in here, Werewolf by Night to scale up high, using Mjolnir, using Stormbreaker. You've got yourself some tech cards in there. Now, Enchantress is in this build. You've got Shang-Chi working really well. Mobius to also count, you know, counter different decks you see out there. You know, maybe Mobius might work his way out of this deck, but I actually think he's probably going to have himself pretty firmly submitted. Because you're getting another token card, you could take out one of the one drops as well. And, and Beta just kind of fits perfectly right into the way this deck is going to flow. You can go over the top. You've got a way to build up with Werewolf by Night. You've got a Nihilus for a little bit of tactics to push things to the opponent's side. So this is where I see most likely Thor and Beta and Jane having a very successful home. And then again, as we just talked about, if it's not something like that, it's going to be the Jane Jaw or something to that nature with maybe a little Grandmaster Wong Flare Bud. But that's what I think is cool. There's so many different ways to utilize these cards now. Uh, no, no kidding. And uh, this is one of those cards that I wonder if when Beta Rebuild comes out, he's going to buff cards by, via like association where like Thor wasn't seeing any play. Like, let's be honest. Thor wasn't seeing much play. Being like Lockjaw is not being played with Thor. Like Lockjaw is being played with Thanos, being played everywhere else. So I wonder if Beta Rebuild, if it's better than anticipated or if it's able to make enough of a splash, if it rises Thor's stocks, because now you have another reason to run a card that works well with Lockjaw, works well with Jane, works well with Odin, works like it just suddenly Thor's better by association, right? So I always think about that with Snap because we've seen that so many times. Like we just showed Annihilus. Sentry was unplayable until Annihilus came out, right? Hood saw a whole new type of uh, play once Annihilus came out. And uh, this has happened over and over again in Snap. So I, I wonder about Thor and whether or not Beta Ray Bill actually lifts him competitively. Well, because Thor's only really had Jane Foster and he still really only does. Like, Let's just say this, okay? We, we've done a lot of good talking. We'll, we'll go back to a couple synergies, but Beta Ray Bill is very narrow. Like, the guy, he has to, anytime you have a card that has to be played with other cards, you just kind of lose the flexibility. Like, Jane Foster is in the deck with him. Don't get cute. He has to be there. Like, there's no point, because his biggest downfall is, we've seen this song and dance before. Thor in the beta was a forecast card. It was not great mainly because you didn't have enough turns to help you get the hammers naturally. And if you don't get Jane, it kind of gets even worse. Whereas now I feel like this is where you could see, and we just showed the list, but that's why I think Zabu is going to be big, right? Because you at least buy yourself another turn if you don't have the Thor. You can play him down earlier. And then if you get the Stormbreaker, you can still have something pretty cool happen, right? So just naturally, you know, Alex, I'm thinking Zabu, magic, just to give yourself that little bit of extra time. 
possibly, I doubt it, but maybe Crystal, right? Just ways to make this less of a gamble of a card and more, you know, dependable stats. I like that call out because if you Zabu and you have Beta Rebilla 3, that also in theory allows you on turn 6, instead of playing the Odin combo we talked about prior, you could actually play Wong at 3 energy, then the Mjolnir, then the Stormbreaker, and then what you can do as well is now you have extra energy where you can do something else, right? So, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> so it's a bit of a backwards design with Odin, right? It's like Odin, except in reverse, kind of. But yep. it works, right? So I like that call out of Zabu, who continuously just continues to increase his presence in the meta. And we won't go into him too much, but this, that, it, what is the reverse Odin? It's Grandmaster, right? Like a really effective way. If you put Wong down, you could send two cards to the middle, reactivate them, right? And so you could do all that for not a lot. He is what I like to refer to as like the combo master. This is a combo deck. And so I think Grandmaster kind of naturally fits in here. I did play him a lot with Thor when he first came out. And there were some cheeky things you could do, like putting Thor twice, getting two of those before you put Jane down, or you just do maybe double Mjolnir. You know, at, at the moment of testing, Odin was very wonky with his bugging. Uh, there's some of the cards, or may, maybe all of them, but from my experience, I think it's just some of them are activating their on reveal and then they're like they're they're doing their check in the lane that they're in and then they go in the middle it's kind of weird like galactus does that too it's some weird synergy with grandmaster that we can allude to more but i do want to call it i think grandmaster for a purpose is coming out near beta because i think you're going to get more of this combo wombo stuff Absolutely. And like, I mean, anytime you're able to like get multiple procs for beta rate, like he gets massive, right? And I mean, a lot of the, I don't want to say vanilla stat line, but the stat line you run for with the four cost is generally 410. I mean, well, technically centuries like a 420, but I mean, you know, you got to work for a little bit, but anytime you break past that 410, like you're, you're getting pure value. So yeah, you're getting a 412 in just one proc. And then with Grandmaster, well, it keeps doubling. What, let me ask you, when you get, because I think everybody's different here, when you get your Mjolnir, when you get the Stormbreaker, do you play it right away? Do you play the next no. turn? I you always play T6. Yeah, unless I suspect, if obviously, if they're like playing Sheenot, I was about to say, leech, right? like, yeah, yeah. You got to uh-huh. know, you got to know what you're against. If an Electro's on the board, right? Uh, Sandman could be a potential play there. You got to get it out. Yeah, but if you're playing like right now, Thanos and, and Sheenot Infinite is playing Leech and you got to get them out of your hand. You want to know who I, as we move on, and a great call there. That's who I was going to say. Leech is the one to watch out for. You want to know who I think is a sneaky, good synergized card if you can pull something like this off is potentially, and I've been playing him a lot more, I actually have him on as cards on the rise. It's our man, Artem Zola. I think Artem Zola could be a really cool combo card with beta. Because first of all, you're already going crazy. You're already doing these combo things. But on top of that, if you're having a Wong, or even if you're not, and you have the foresight and you put beta in his own lane, and then you pop him into two lanes, even that one hammer activation, you got a couple 12s, right? So I think that's an interesting thing you can do. And we're having way more dependable ways on, on how to, uh, to play Artem Zola, which we can uh, get to in a second. But yeah, any last combo pieces for you? No, I, I was just thinking when you were saying that, I'm like, you, so you basically just want him to be Black Panther then. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, yeah, essentially. <laughs> Black Panther 2.0, essentially, with, with maybe one extra step, perhaps. No, I, I think we nailed it. I think Beta Ray Bill could potentially, uh, you know, have some decent meta impact. I don't think it's going to be as wide reaching. He's not going to have that wide reach, as you said prior, leading up to this very niche card. It doesn't even have necessarily an archetype, but basically a deck. He's not going to be an, an archetype defining card, but he's going to be a piece to the puzzle. And I mean, hey, listen, if it's, if it's a skippable week, 
then hey, that's actually not always a bad thing for people yeah. that are trying to conserve some resources, right? And I think it is, man. I think ultimately where we end at here, guys, just to give you guys the advice that we try to do our best on, right? It could be tough. I think this is, unless you're a diehard beta guy from the comics, I think this is a big skip week, mainly because you're just not doing all that much, right? With one card, you're not really expanding your collection all too much because you're kind of pigeonholed. You're kind of pigeonholed to one deck. And then more so, if he just zooms and takes off, we've seen from past, this is going to be a terrible week for him because people are just going to counter the card heavy. If you thought you saw Cosmo a lot last week, it's going to be even crazier. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> yeah, get ready. So that would be my advice. I would say probably skip it, but you will see successful decks. You will see successful decks, but it could be a tough time. Yeah, and always wait towards the weekend. Like, wait till Sunday or even Monday before making your purchase. Like, you just get more data. Like, you you never are disadvantaged by waiting on the Spotlight Cash Weeks and allowing the meta to mature and for decks to be crafted and for win rates to be released and stuff like that. Honestly, you never lose by just simply waiting a little bit on the new release. Well, Alex, that takes us to our next subject. We have cards on the rise. Now, you know, we've had this subject before, but I feel like this might be the most important time we've had. There's a lot of outliers booming up in the meta. And if you play them too late, if you play them in mid-February, you're going to miss the boat. It's gone. And, and some of these are doing really good in January for specific purposes. So we're going to break down those cards. Alex, we're, we're pretty hot on this subject. We've nailed, you know, Mobius in the past and, and Le Legion. We were talking about those guys in like September, October, like play them now. And they're here. They're here. They've been here. They've been pretty staple. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's have a couple of picks each with cards on the rise, bud. I'll start us off, man. We have another destroy car kind of rising up. I saw it again. I never know the sources. There's always some guy who's been playing it for. I saw it on Untapped. Uh, you uh, you told me KM Best made a thing on it. Awesome. Lady Deathstrike is all over the place right now and, and is really solid in this meta in particular, whether that is to counter tech cards, whether it's to counter an Iron Man. We're seeing a lot of these like Mystique Iron Man decks, these combo decks with Grandmaster. She's one of the few cards, man, that's like Killmonger in Destroy. You're able to use it on offense and then use it on defense. So Lady Deathstrike, this is the, the time to play her, yeah? It's a really spicy addition, and part of the reason for that is because a lot of Destroy decks naturally are playing Forge, right? They're playing Forge for the Deadpool and stuff, so if you don't draw into your Deadpool, you're holding this Forge, you're like, hmm, what can I destroy? And a lot of the greedy stuff that's been going on in the meta, like we were just finished pumping up Wong about how Wong's making a bit of a comeback, and Wong is relevant again. Who loves Wong? Lady Deathstrike, right? So it's been really fun, and nobody in their right mind expects Lady Deathstrike to come on down. And yep. it's a huge surprise, snappable play. So... I mean, listen, she's by no means like a meta breaker. She'll never be that unless she somehow gets overtuned or another synergy comes up. But definitely a surprise card. Definitely a card that could take people by, by surprise. Surprise, surprise. And also, I just like to say, play a card that I've not seen in a while, right? Talk about a window that is going to be a short window to play her. So you might as well play her now. She creeps up. I think she was okay during like Elsa's meta briefly or something when there was like a lot of small cards being played or in like balance metas. Like that is when she comes. She is that, that, that release valve that Glenn always tries to have, right? For certain metas that creep up and Lady Deathstrike kind of found her time to shine now. But that being said, if you look at the data destroy, she's not like far and away the best card. She's a nice flavor pick, if you will. Definitely the definition of a card on the rise. Alex, I got a, a few more up my sleeve, but what do you got? 
Oh, listen, I got to talk about Hella. I don't know about you. Hella's all over the place. I keep seeing Hella and like unironic Hella. Like sometimes I'm like, why is this gamer playing Hella for? Like, what are we doing here? But no, Hella is legit being played at a relatively good percent, like actual discard Hella. And I'm seeing it being splashed in Black Knight. I'm seeing just greedy ass lockjaw Hella. Like I'm seeing it all over the place, Cozy. Yeah. Like in like legitimate competitive scenarios. It's yeah, back. I, I've lost some big cube games to Hella, like some massive ones or like, I don't know why. Maybe I'd be like, I'll be like, oh, I could take her. I, like, I definitely, like, I lost one today. Never can. Dude, I lost one today where she put a rogue in a lane that took my knoll. And I was like, how? How? What are the odds? What are the odds? I priority two, like, all of it, all, you know, together. But uh, yeah, I mean, hey, another great, you know, counter card to Lady Deathstrike and Invisible Woman. By then, it's probably too late because they already have the MODOK. Maybe they had the Hella. I don't know. But it, it is a very good archetype at the moment and definitely one that I was going to talk about in the best decks and snap. I think Hella is definitely standing out. And I would add to this, since we're on the topic of discard, buddy, you know who I'm just hot on lately? Maybe it's not on the rise, but I think it should be played way more. Bro, I love Gambit. I love him. I think he's he's great all the way around for so many reasons, dude. He just does great things against the big, tall decks. And he gives you a win sometimes when you're not supposed to get one. He has been my number one Grandmaster card. Oh, honestly, Gambit is so fun. Like, I, listen, I literally made a, a deck called Machine Gun Meek, and it was just Gambit pew-pewing, right? Like, yep. that's what it was. And, like, I'm all for Gambit. But you know what, you know what drives me nuts about what well, You know what grinds my gears? Every time I'm playing Gambit, about just before I play Gambit, Kyar comes out. Like, hey, check, what up? Like, yeah. like Kyar, get off the board. Stop yeah, being yeah. a good card. I got a, I got a miracle Gambit. You, I got all these swarms. What am I supposed to do now? You just say, don't miss. You're just like, hey, hit Kyra first, then go crazy. Just <laughs> that's it. Target Kyra, then everybody else. Yeah, Gambit, without question, has been uh, a card that I just think is, should be uh, seeing more play in these discard decks, uh, but also just has good standalone value as a, as a trade-off. I thought you were going to say Central Park always always pops up whenever you play you play your Gambit. I feel like those squirrels are always like taking a Mr. President for the card that I want. Always. I mean, for me, it's uh, every time I go to play Gambit, it's either Kyra comes out or they have Wolverine. And I'm like, well, they're going to win one location probably. But hey, listen, the way I play Gambit is like shamelessly like greedy. I, like, listen, I'm setting up Onslaught. I got Mystique. I got Wong. I'm all in. Like, it's it's board clear time. Like, that's the way I play. <laughs> I'm not just taking one or two cards. I don't care how many squirrels there are. Yeah. Every squirrel's dying. Everyone dies. Everybody dies. Dude, okay, so what got me on this is during the Twitch drops, we did like a drafted deck section. I had the chat drafted deck. It's infamously called now Gas Trash or Trash Gas, whatever you prefer. It's a legendary deck, Alex. Got us through a gold conquest with absolute ease. We wiped Dara. I love you, Dara. We took down Dara on the board. He was playing, I think, uh, Dark Hawk uh, Grandmaster. It is a, an all, it, it, listen, the deck has no synergy. It, it, was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime miracle. However, in that deck, you had Gambit, which was cool. He had good value. But yet another three cost we have on the rise. That's Juggernaut. Juggernaut won me so many games that we were not supposed to win from that exact thing. People are trying to play these cards in lanes and they're getting greedy with it. And if you don't have a Lady Deathstrike to take out a Wong, you have a Juggernaut that's just as good. I think it's phenomenal. I've been loving Juggernaut and I think this is now the time to play him. When you said getting greedy with it, I pictured like Will Smith kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's okay. a music video that you got to make at some point. I'm just okay. throwing it out there. Okay, fair enough. But the Juggernaut is honestly like, he's, he's a big surprise card. Yep. He's one of those turn six wins that like no one ever sees coming. Like, oh, you want to play here? Boom. <laughs> just yeah. now, right? I really like uh, Juggernaut for that. And I mean, listen, no one's really expecting Jug. He's, especially when you're not playing him in decks that always naturally play Jug. 
Like if you're not playing him in Surfer, you, you just kind of he's like a this tech splash. I mean, I've lost eight cubers to Juggernaut, so I like the call out. And dude, okay, so this next one, if you have not been listening, and if you want to get ahead of the curve, ahead of a cozy video or ahead of whatever, we've got a huge one for you. Now, Lambie, our friend Lambie, I just won the last conquerors. He held like like an open, and uh, yeah, the, the the sweat lords came out. Alex, they were. They were, they, they were sweating. I have no idea. I didn't see the tournament, but I did see a post from Lambie and that had the decks that did really well in the tournament. And my God, did you see this? Did you see this tweet? You I know, know what deck won. I know what deck won, Cozy. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you explain. Well, no, no. I will. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Did you see second place though? Because second place was more, was more exciting. Did you see second no, place? No, I'm not sure. Okay. It was a destroy deck, which I was like, oh, okay. That's cool. And yeah. in that destroy deck, guys, not only was Grandmaster there, which I was like, hell yeah. But Dracula was in this destroy deck and it blew my mind. I was like, wait, this is, this is awesome. Why is this in here? Well, my friends, <laughs> as much as they try to make it simple to understand, Snap is a very complex game. And even though he can be reduced by Ravona because he's technically a 6-0, but he's not, but he is, Null can be absorbed in full power by Dracula, and it's a new way to have an insurance to get the null play for only four cost or even cheaper. I believe the credit goes to a guy named Davide or David, David, I'm sorry if I butchered your name, I'll put it in the description, but what an ingenious spin on an archetype that doesn't get a lot of change, and this is, if you want to be an early trailblazer, here you go, guys. I got two, I can't even believe you're not bringing up one of them, I'm, I'm shocked, okay. Number one I want to talk about is obviously Darkhawk with the change to Blob. Darkhawk's having a resurgence again, which is great. This is exactly like the 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 tug of war that happens in the meta between cards. Blob starts to drop off a little bit after the nerf, which by the way, Blob, still good. It's still huge. Big stat stick, right? But because it's losing prevalence and it's not as strong as it used to be, people are kind of waning off it. So that gives Darkhawk time to, to shine and some room to breathe. So Darkhawk, I think, is definitely on the rise. Cozy, are you really not going to talk about Arrow? Arrow's kind of coming back with the Kingpin synergies. Those decks are making a bit of a comeback. The win rates aren't as high as they are, but I still think those decks are being figured out. Oh, yeah, dude. Arrow is legit. In a second, in the best decks, I got plenty to say about the move, mobster, mobster move, man, because that is... Yeah. I'm surprised how well that deck is, is performing still. Like, it has been my best deck over the course, I actually did really, I did really good with a toxic deck before I killed it because I made a video and then it's like, it just did terrible after that. But that was, I was climbing a lot with that and then I was climbing just, if I need to just win a game, it's Magneto, it's Arrow, it's the Kingpin deck. Yeah, absolutely. I think Arrow's without question is making a surgence and it's these non-Shang-Chi-able cards, man. Shang-Chi is the biggest force in Snap. No question about it. We're seeing it time after time after time. And that's why sometimes... Even in Gas Trash, I was playing Crossbones, and I loved it. I was like, wow, I actually like Crossbones because he's a safe, big, statted card, bud. So, yep, I like the arrow, the arrow splash. You know, I just mentioned the Toxic deck. I actually feel like, to a good degree, I think Debris, and I didn't mean to just, like, drop bars there and, and rhyme. I think Debris is, is doing great, man. I, I don't know about you, but I do feel like she's definitely getting an uptick in a lot of decks. I'm seeing it, too. But I'll be honest, I'm not like sure why. I'm not sold on debris. Oh, I'm not debris. sold on debris. I love her. You why though? Like I feel like this card's not good, honestly. Yeah, I, in junk decks. Like obviously, I'm not trying to make her work in much uh, of anything else. But uh, dude, really, because right now the met there's just so many people playing a lot of cards. They're getting greedier. They're filling one lane and they're trying to. She stops combo lanes. 
but then she also can just fill the board quickly and just ruin decks. So I feel like she has a little bit of both. I played her a ton in the toxic version, obviously, because I'm trying to hazmat it and send it over and all that stuff. But I think debris is definitely on a small uptick. Personally, a couple that if you look towards the future, man, I do think hit monkey is an early get ahead of it. Now going to have a chance, going to have a chance to get better. We have a card coming out where once you play your next turn, all of your one cost cards are for free. So I think hit monkey is absolutely going to have kind of a great time there. If you haven't gotten grandmaster yet, and you're thinking about it and you don't have hit monkey, then you know, that is uh, an extra little thing to try to get ahead. You have one day before the spotlights reset. And then just to refresh people, man, we've got, we've had Negasonic, we've had Mobius kind of on these hot and rising cards for a while. Just stop sleeping on Negasonic, guys. If, if you have a deck that's good at priority, play the card. It's such a good card. And then I'll end on this, Alex. I do think slowly we're seeing the Sandman come back. Little Metallica. We're, get, we're seeing Sandman starting to rise to stop these kind of greedy decks. Seeing a little bit of Enter Sandman, are we? Listen, I've always liked Sandman. I like the playstyle that it provides. Jeff took a little bit off Sandman, but the nice thing about Jeff is that you can use it in your Sandman deck itself, right? So I do like that callout. And I mean, we're coming into a meta that maybe Sandman's required. We got Beta Ray Bill. If you want to, if you want to counter Beta Ray Bill, then I mean, one of the ways you do that is with Sandman itself. So definitely let that call out cozy. Alrighty, man. So to end it, we talked about cards on the rise. Let's go ahead and talk and, and wrap up the January meta. Just in case people don't know what's performing really well at the moment, we're going to talk about our experience. It was Twitch Drop, so we played a ton of these decks over the last couple of days. We've played against them. I feel like we, you know, we're, we're equipped to talk about what's doing hot. So I'm going to bring up a couple decks and tell me kind of how how you feel about the deck. Will it be OTA'd? Is it, you know, and just your general thoughts. And we start with one of the best performers by a mile, and it's going to be uh, the Darkhawk Leech deck that we have seen for quite some time. And I think Leech is the main discussion point uh, with it. Uh, have you played against this deck? Is this one that you've piloted? Uh, definitely a top performer. Yeah, I, I did pilot it and I did see it every once in a while, but I feel like it came off a little bit with the nerf to blob because the reason for the leech primarily was to leech the blob so they couldn't blob on turn six and blow up your uh, your Dark Hawk and Mystique or whatever it is you happen to be playing in the, the list. So yeah, I, I do agree that that particular list is a strong one and it continues to be strong because going into the beta ray bill week, we just finished talking about how leech is going to be relevant, yeah. right? So it's definitely one that you can turn to if you want to steal some cubes away. I'll be honest though, man. I... <laughs> Leech is, I would say, it's got to be up there as my least top three least played cards, at least in the last six. I can't remember the last time I've played him a, a ton. I hate him. I hate Leech, dude. I hate him I don't so like much. Oh, man. Like, I don't think I get super salty playing the game. Like, if you go to any of my videos, if I lose, like, I'm always like, GG, go check out my 10 hour torture. I was, you know, happy most of it. When I get leeched, especially when I'm getting excited, you know, and that's probably what it is, it just, it, it just sucks, man. Like, show me Elioth, show me Galactus of the old. I, I'm just not crazy about him, but he is a release valve, I guess, in some ways to prevent a pretty big turn six. But man, he can, poof, yeah, I can hate him. Yeah, he, he sucks, right? And it's it's unfortunate that a 5-3 power card is one that you can snap on on turn five, right? Yeah. And like, dismantle their hand if you're against a specific deck that you recognize is going to need that combo turn six. I mean, listen, I do hate... I hate Leech as well. In fact, I take Leech out. I took Leech out of my Sheenot decks. I was playing Kang instead, right? I was memeing with Kang, right? So, I mean, I'm, I get it. But at the same time, like, I understand why, like, Glenn is kind of in defensive Leech, right? I, I understand that release valve mentality, but the, it's definitely one of the least fun cards in Snap. 
Oh, that's for sure, but I guess he's there for purpose. Now, outside of that, we've already talked about some of these other ones. Destroy with Lady Deathstrike is doing really well. Annihilus Balance is hot, guys. Play it while that's hot. Thanos Blob Jaws, I like to call it. Still very, very dependable, high-ranked deck. And we're actually still seeing a good amount of Hella, Black Knight, and just discard with solid stats. Like, these these decks are doing great again. It's not... Card's not anywhere where it was with dependable discard, but it's it. you have a options now, which I think is really cool for the archetype as we head into a month with a lot of stuff to help boost it even more. You said it exactly. So before, there was only one discard deck. It was the dependable discard with Chavez, with a Apoc, and all that stuff, right? We, we get that. Now what you have is you have all these different variations of discard that have lower win rates than what that dependable discard deck was, admittedly. However, you have the Black Knight variation with like Ghost Rider. You also have the, the version which is Hella with Black Knight. Then you have just straight up Hella, right? So there's these like three kind of variations of discard that are going right now, all of which are performing fair, decent, above board. And I mean, it's good because like, listen, discard's been one of those, those archetypes is either completely terrible or it was a one trick pony. And now at least we have some variation, but I still miss, I still miss traditional Chavez dependable discard. I really do miss that. I wonder if it comes back in a different form eventually. Well, man, listen, we would be remiss to not talk about probably going to be the best deck this week as it is many a times. Sarah Control, man, Infinity Conquest, Sarah Control. There, it, it doesn't even come close when you look at the stats typically of having a deck that can answer everything. Now, it just ran, won the Lambie Open. You also had it perform stupid well in Infinity Conquest. Sarah Controller, right now, if you're trying to win again, this is the deck to play. There's no question about it. Alex, I, I think that's a clear winner if you are trying to climb an Infinity Conquest. It's kind of interesting to think that, like, if you're trying to climb on, like, the ladder, for instance, Sarah Control is not always the best choice. But when you're in Infinity Conquest... Like you, it's very difficult to overcome bad matchups. And Sarah Control is one of those decks. It doesn't have the highs. It doesn't reach as high as some of the other decks that we could be talking about. But it never has those lows. You never feel like, I just can't play this card anymore. I can't play this game anymore. I'm just going to lose, right? Like you never get hard, hard countered. Now there is Mobius out there. Mobius, I should say. That can have an impact. But guess who's playing Mobius? Just you. Because yep. you love Mobius, and it seems like no one else really does, except for people that are watching the Cozy Snap videos. They're like, wait a minute, Mobius might actually be making itself a comeback. I'm actually a believer too, Cozy, just so you know. But anyways, I like the call of Sarah Control. Very reliable archetype, has always been. And I'm interested to see how it'll perform in this following week. Well, and it's cool, right? If we look at it, if we look at the... the why we're talking about this meta being diverse is truly, these decks we're all mentioning are competitive at the moment. Hi, Evo She-Hulk. Has been there, done that, it's doing the thing, it's been doing well. Bro, we have a Galactus deck that's just been hitting it hot, right? We the Selene Packers, the Goblins. It's cool to see that kind of itch in here. Listen, people can hate on cards. You know, I think people have hate for cards way back when. I think it's cool that Galactus players can now have a deck that is, you know, somewhat more reliable in its play lines. Have you been seeing this? I, I think I think I saw you testing this out the other day. Maybe with like your own little spin on it, but like it, we've all seen the shell do Black Bolt stature decks. It, it, it almost feels like not Sarah Control in like it's not, it's not super flashy, right? But it's so consistent. So Black Bolt had like a less than 1% play rate on untapped. I was like, no, 
that's not happening, right? So I wanted to see if I can make a bit of a brew happen. And my brew is with Grandmaster, which we'll be talking about shortly. But yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like uh, any Stair Bolt deck, I think, can potentially work well. I think that it's in a weird spot, though, where like you're often discarding your the rock that you're putting into the hand. Like I think the disruption piece of Black Bolt's not really there. It, much, it often feels like an activator for stature. And on that note, I feel like you could give Black Bolt its power back. I feel like it could be a 5-8 again. And you probably keep stature where it is, but anyways, that's just my two cents. Are you not playing this Dokken X23 stature bolt deck out there with Dr. No. Doom? Oh, it's stupid I good. wasn't playing that. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. That deck's stupid good. It's in a really good spot. Win, win rate wise, I think I was playing this last Twitch drops. It was. It was like back in December, and it's still doing really well. Was that the one with Samurai in it? Yes, 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 yeah, yes. Okay, no, I, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that, that deck's a totally different deck than what I was talking about. Yeah, okay. yeah. So the Samurai list, that's pretty cool. Yeah, as soon as you brought up Doc, I'm like, oh, he's talking about the Samurai list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a cool list, 100%. Yeah, and when you have like Killmonger in there to also help you with the shard. You have X-23 to ramp. You have Jeff. It's like, it's like, it's a value list is pretty much what it is, which is cool. It's a like good cards list. And I just, this is what I'm loving. We have Sarah Control. We have good cards. We have big decks like the Blob and we have Leech, Darkhawk decks. Lockdown is, is also performing well as ever. And then, of course, Mobster Move, which I just talked about. I've been playing a ton of. Magneto just feels like a card I lose to so much. Play more Magneto, please. He's so good. And that's like the main gist of them, right? Like you have Loki that is still doing okay. You have a couple Ronin decks that are fun and they're, they're you know, they're working. You have some on reveal Grandmaster stuff going on. It really feels like you could kind of make snap your own in this given meta. We're going to have to see what the OTA does to, to kind of shake it up, right? They don't want to do too much, but they also want to keep things fresh. So we're going to have to see, you know, where that all ends up, Alex. But all I know, man, is I'm always down for just a wide variety meta as we head into a new month. And, you know, that brings new topics, new cards, and a lot to look forward to next week. I suspect this OTA is going to be a buff OTA. Can I make a, can I make a bold prediction? There's Hit a me. card that I feel like desperately needs a buff Hit that's me. been overlooked. Hit me. It's White Queen. White Queen needs something. Give okay. White Queen power. Give her something. Like, with the world of Loki, what's White Queen? I think White, need, well, White Queen needs something. Okay. I like it. I like it. I would say if I were to be guessing what is going to be buff... I feel like they might adjust Thanos in some capacity because we're about to enter his season pass. And like, I feel like maybe there's something there. I don't know. That's just like the, my gut feeling a bit. Okay. I like the call. Maybe 2099 finally gets love. Maybe Stegron that's that four, seven was just a tease. And we actually, oh, get yeah, him. cause that, that was like an accidental OTA, right? Maybe yeah. he, maybe he comes out. Maybe we actually get him. And then other than that, like, I'm kind of like, I don't know, a little clueless. Don't know what's going to come out in the OTA, but I'm excited for it. Cozy Grandmaster came out this week, and I got to tell you, it came out to some, we'll say some excitement. It was a card that provided a lot of utility, a lot of combo potential, but also I think a large degree of frustration where it wasn't quite as easy to play as some might have expected. I'm actually really looking forward to this topic here because I think to some degree for some people, they feel like Grandmaster is underperformed. But I played an asinine amount of Grandmaster, like literally, I think 25 hours of this card. Like I can't explain you how much of this card I've played this week. I actually really like it. I really like it. It's not to say that I don't think that on aggregate, it could see a buff in the future. I would be surprised to see that. But I understand that we'll talk about the statistic. We'll talk about the meta. We'll talk about some decks. But overall, I want to hear it, Cozy. What do you think about Grandmaster? Yeah, I said I would die on the hill that he's good. I think so. I mean, he's not jumping off the page performance-wise, maybe on some win rates, but we are seeing him being played 
We just talked about some of the best decks, and there's a destroyed deck with Dracula. He's in there that just got second place on a tournament. Grandmaster is an awesome card. I think he's an awesome card for fun. He's great for competitive play, for combos, and for what the hell just happened plays. And that's what I'm looking for tied in with flexibility and future proof. I think we're going to see a lot of Grandmaster and Synergy in the future, which is, I think, why both of us loved him as a card. We definitely don't see anyone doing what Grandmaster does. And when I get that little report at the end of the month, man, I can promise you it's going to say your most played card was Grandmaster by a fair margin. I've tried him in every archetype and I'm ready to talk, man. I'm ready to talk because I'm excited to see what you enjoyed him in and, and your overall impressions. You know, maybe I'll dial it back. I could say maybe I get maybe like a 4.5 is where I'd give him maybe four on ultimate future competitive viability. I don't think he's going to get buffed or nerfed. I think 2-0 is about, is about where he needs to be because I don't know what you would do with him. I don't. I don't think you want him at 2-1. You, you don't want him to have power. It's interesting that you say that because, as I said, I played a lot of this card, and I found it to be very successful. My question to you is, that, like, there's a couple, two, two ways you can approach a buff. It's 2-0. There's only so much you can do. You can make it a 2-1, or you can make it a 1-1, or a 1-0. Those are beta 3, I guess, right? And all of those buffs, I feel like, could send him a little off the deep end, despite the stats. Now, stats-wise, in post-infinite, he's running a 46% win rate, slightly negative on the cubes, at a 13% meta share. So the stats aren't good. They're not good. Not surprised. However, I feel like there's been a couple things happening. One, I think he's a good card that needs to have his code cracked. That, it's that simple. We said it last week. No one on the first day was going to have the best Grandmaster deck. It was just never going to happen. And it's going to be one of those cards that ages like fine wine because it's going to have that synergy, that deck, and it's going to be an irreplaceable cog for that, that deck. It's going to happen, right? I know it's going to happen because it's so combo-centric. And when that deck comes up, people say, how do I replace Grandmaster? And you can't, right? But the thing I want to say is that despite the stats, despite all that stuff, what I, what I was seeing in my experience with this card, again, I played more of this card than I've ever played on any release because of the Twitch drops and stuff like that. People were playing way too many wild, greedy-ass decks. Of course. I, I'm sorry. I just got to say it. They were playing with the greediest stuff. And at the end of the day, I felt like if you took Grandmaster for what it was, put it into much more simplistic shells, allowed it to be a good card, not like this crazy mega combo piece, but just a good card that re-amplifies what your deck's trying to do. It's shown far brighter. The way to look at him is he's just like, he helps fill the role of a piece that you didn't get. Maybe you didn't get a carnage that you needed so you can do a Venom twice, uh, you know, on a Nimrod. Maybe you want to do another discard, you could do it with that. He's an absorbing man in some ways for a cheaper cost. And so there'd be times where like, I'll have him in my hand, but I don't have to use him. It was nice to have him as an insurance policy, or I try to use him really early on and I did get that benefit. Listen, as respectfully as possible, I could give a damn on the stats on this guy. I really don't care. I've made a lot of combo decks in the past. One example, and this isn't like, I'm great. I Guys, I suck at whatever. There was an on-reveal combo deck I played. Probably the best that I've played a deck this season. I did a lot of it on uh, Twitch. I have about 100 games on it. I'm at 64%. Awesome. I released the deck guide. It's at 46%. Why? Because it's a combo deck, man. Of course, people people that are not going to be great in the mass publics of toxic decks, of combo decks, for a few reasons. But one of them is something I suffer with. You want to see the combo play out. So people are playing out hands, playing out 
decks that they shouldn't. You should retreat, but you played out because it's a combo deck. You want to see the 20 Tigers happen, even if you had no way to beat a Null at 40 power in the, in the far lane. And so the stats, I really don't, I'm not, I'm not freaked out about it. It's the same way as Junk has been in the past. And he's definitely serving the purpose that I thought he would serve for sure. Yeah, you're reinforcing what I was saying that I felt like the convoluted combos that were heavily dependent on draws and combinations, they were just a little too far gone. And like, okay, let's just talk about it straight off the bat. Like, let's talk about like how much is enough for Grandmaster. This is a question I was asking myself when I was deck building with Grandmaster, right? I tried so many different lists. And it was the question was, was what is enough? So Cozy, I'll ask this. Is multi so let's say the worst case scenario, you play Iceman on turn one and you play Grandmaster on two. Is that enough? I mean, it's fine. It's definitely a good combo. It's a good. That, that's okay. probably one of the better one twos. Yeah. Yeah. So Korg times two in a Darkhawk shell. Yep. It's great. Yeah. Not that bad. Yondu in some sort of null destroy shell. Yep. Null shell. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. On a lot of these. Are you doing? And this is going to be a great conversation. Are you doing these always on one two? If you have that, because I'll be honest, on the rock slide on the uh, Darkhawk one, I'm seeing if I can get a rock slide to then play later. For sure. If I have Ravona in my hand, I'm holding him. Okay. But if I don't have Ravona in my hand, I'll play him out. But here's another thing. How about Celine times two? Here's an interesting synergy that I didn't see people talking about. I was experimenting with. If you play Celine on Grandmaster, Grandmaster gets hit with the Celine. Yep. He becomes an Annihilus target. And then you draw, and then you have a chance to draw into a Hob or a Green Goblin. And then when you play Grandmaster down, you re-trigger the Celine. Right? They're getting wrecked in their hand. And then now the goblin is dropping as well. Yep. Grandmaster gets kicked over with a Nihilus. So like, that's pretty cool too. But then what I really started to notice was, okay, where was he performing the best? We'll talk about decks in a second, Cozy, but tell me about this. I found him most successful with, with Ravona on turn two, right? then on turn three, either Black Widow or Rockside. And then turn four, you play the Grandmaster for one plus a three powered card or three costed card, right? Whether it's like a, even a Darkhawk early, whatever. It doesn't really, you don't really want to do that Darkhawk early, but you know what I mean, right? Playing him for one and reprocking that Rockside or reprocking that Black Widow, that is insane. Two Widow's Bites denying two draws from a hand for one cost. That's ridiculous. I don't care what anyone says. That's a good card. Rock slide. Now you have four rocks in someone's deck and you committed one energy to it. Keeping in mind that Ravona Renslayer is synergizing with almost your entire package. That's a good card. So when I saw people saying that like, oh, Grandmaster sucks. I'm like, well, no, the decks you're putting them in sucks. And like I was watching, I was looking at untapped and these decks don't make sense because they're too friggin' greedy. And they were using the card in a manner that it wasn't intended to be used. If you just simplify things a little bit, you'll get a better result. And just like, I don't know, even my opinion, guys, like just don't listen to opinions on the first couple of days. I mean, we try our best to give you an opinion. You know, I, I think that's you're going to see that no matter what day of or the deck. Now, it used to be the day after. Now I have to put them out because we got 90 other videos going out this day of. So I've joined the party there of giving our best thoughts on what he can do. And I think it was cool that he came out doing Twitch drops. Because it allowed for a lot of experimentation. Saw a lot of bounce. I just did not like him in bounce personally. I think big brain wise, maybe that's where he can be. I haven't seen the proof in the pudding there. Funny, the reason I love this card, bro, is a couple of reasons. Number one, like guys, I don't know. I can't bleep this out. I'll just say F the meta. Like just, it's a, guys, we're on a year plus into this game. I'm just trying to have it at the end of the day. I'm just trying to have as much fun as possible. Like I'm just having... Fun with Marvel Snap, and I think he's the definition of it, right? 
I'm playing Grandmaster later, which is why I love the card, right? Like you could play him on curve. I tend to see him with the most value. I'm loving Wonk and I'm loving Artem Zola. Those are by far the two standouts for me. And why it's because you do have Ravona synergy for the Artem Zola. If you Artem Zola and you play Grandmaster, I don't even care what dies, what gets copied. That that's popping off, right? Been doing a lot of in the toxic one. I did just hands down. I played Scorpion, played Grandmaster. I snapped on that. Negative two to the hand. Enjoy. Have fun with whatever that was, right? Deadpool. I was playing Deadpool Carnage, played Deadpool back in the middle, played Grandmaster, send the Carnage. Simplified plays. Like you said, you don't always go for the home run. You have to identify, I think it's the skill of identifying what's in your hand, what's left in your deck, and what's the optimal Grandmaster play for that moment. I love what you're saying here because it's very much the difference in like the deck building approach I take and the deck building approach you take often, right? And it's one of the reasons why we have so much fun discussing new cards and discussing decks because you you love the pop-off combo. Whereas for me, I tend to be, okay, play by the lines, play like play kind of like more efficiently, just play it on curve, play it, make, make it like you don't have to reach for the stars all the time. Right. Hitting Black Widow twice is good. Hitting Rockslide twice is good. Right. Hitting Iceman twice is good. Right. And when you add Ravona to the mix, then it's even better. And honestly, a lot of the shells are actually performing pretty well. And listen, I don't mean to tap myself on the back, but I'm going to anyways, Cozy. One of the highest win rate versions of Grandmaster right now is actually a list that I developed live on Twitch TV. And it is a Grandmaster Black Bolt list. You talked about Black Bolt on your side about how good it was. And I was trying to bite my tongue like, hell yeah, I know how good it is. Because look at this list. We had Korg, Grandmaster, Jeff, Ravona Renslayer. We had Mystique, Black Widow, Rockslide, Darkhawk, Iron Man, Stature Black Bolt, and Doctor Doom. It's running a 54% win rate, nearly 55% on 1300 games. You're going to tell me that Grandmaster's not positively contributing that? And there's no pop-off synergy there. It's just good. Let's it's go, just coaching. good. And what you're doing is you're playing you're playing Darkhawk on turn six for three energy. You're playing Mystique for the two. And guess what? Then you got an extra energy for the, the, the stature. Let's go, Coach. Let's go, man. Yeah, I think where he lived up where I thought he would was, first of all, these deck shells. I love it. On reveal, yes. We see, like, day one, so many people would just take a list off of, let's say, Untapped, throw on Grandmaster, hope it worked, it didn't, right? He did, he took some real tailoring to make work in these, in these lists, right? I was going to go through some of the odd reveals that I think he just elevates. I think he elevated Ironheart to be a much better card than she was. Talk about a card 100%. that gets absolutely boosted, right? I think Surfer is just very tough to play with him. I think it's, it's not that it doesn't work all the time. It's just can... It's a lot of thought pride. It's definitely a high skill cap surfer card, I guess is the best way to put it there. But he does have a lot of easy and, and good value. Bro, I've been loving him in tech builds. Like just using tech cards twice has been kind of awesome. I don't know if you, you messed around with that at all. That was definitely something unique. And then, you know, Jubilee, it is. It really comes back to 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 my second love, Arrow being the first. Discount Disrupt was right there after her buff. Been there, loved her. Ravona, we talked about her. The Ravona synergy makes the most sense. It all it just makes the most sense with the cards you're trying to play. It's a little shocking that Iron Man's not making all these lists, but she's definitely a, a huge cog in that machine. And again, like this has been the first week, and we're talking about a plethora of different cards, some of which have been considered weak for some time, that are getting this resurgence with with Grandmaster. Another perfect example of this is Master Mold. Like, yep. tell me you didn't play 
at oh. all this week and did not get four friggin' Sentinels in your hand because someone plays Master Mold and then they play the uh, Ravona. Not Ravona, sorry, they play Grandmaster. And like, you're just, what do you, what do you do? You just don't even draw cards anymore because you got Master Molded times two. We flirted, remember, at the end with the, with the Ronin at the last snapshot. We were like, wait a second, Ronin. Maybe that would be cool. And yeah. then, yeah, Ronin list came out, man. They can't, And that's the goal of the Snapchat. You know, people are always concerned about uh, making the best. We are trying to just hypothesize super fun combos and we hope that you guys bust them wide open and make some really cool decks and just inspire thought because we don't even have well we had a lot of time this week to test everything out but that's the main goal if we can serve that purpose i think that's what we're really hoping we can do and to me it is what we just kind of stated whether it was the toxic list with scorpion that i played or you used the debris to double debris which was just stupid filthy because you were able to move your debris and make room it was really cool and worked in synergy and then to your point too, the master mold. Where it didn't work is things like Valkyrie. And not that it's not great with Valkyrie, but in my experience, it wasn't working in decks that only had like one card that you want to Grandmaster, right? You need a couple cheap ones in there that just have like that decent synergy, right? And that's why I said, if you have one drops that are okay to play, if you don't have Ravona and you're holding your grandmaster, be like, well, I want to play on curve and you just do it while also having the, you know, the turn three and four pop-offs, yep. that's absolutely fine, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like don't try to force this card to be what it's not. I, yeah, dude, I was not a fan of Nico. I saw so many Nico Menard. I love Nico guys, but you got to know when you have to like detach from a card sometimes. Like Nico does work really well, but it was a, like a little funky. Like she's a little funky with grandmaster and she kind of takes up a... You know, one thing it took me time, man, is really perfecting my right and left lane management, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I was really kind of like, well, I can play Nico now, but the right lane is unplayable. Like, do I even, like, bother playing? Because then you, I don't know about you, I lost a couple 50-50 on reveal, you know, hoping Grandmaster sent the right card. He didn't, whatever that may be. I mean, I Alex, one of my favorite combos that I've been playing with is, is you can do Shuri twice, which is awesome. It's crazy. It's super fun. If you have the cards perfect, you can play Shuri. You can you, you you do have to have some turn manipulation. But I brought back the She-Hulk Shuri deck, where you were able to skip so that you could double She-Hulk, play a Grandmaster, and then that leaves you a little bit of room to double something again in the middle. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, those those were like classic Shuri decks where people. So the Shuri change had just happened, where basically she had to play in the same lane, and everyone was teching Shan Chi in, and so people were using the ability to skip the turn in order to dodge the Shan Chi, so they could play a one costed She Hulk into that with the Taskmaster in the other lane. Right? We saw that for a while, actually. You kind of bring me back in time. That that deck build kind of fell off, cause yeah. Hopefully, I get to see you kind of do a little brewing with that. I like it. But one thing I'll mention as well is I'll bring it up on the screen again, but the deck we were talking about before with the kind of Black Bolt stature Grandmaster deck, there's nothing really crazy inventive about it. There's really nothing crazy. There's no crazy tech. There's no, it's just two good shells put together that were, it's good cards that work with Grandmaster and that's all it ultimately needed. It didn't need all these crazy like convoluted compass. It just needed good cards and to be played with some reasonable kind of intentions, right? So I just wanted to highlight that sometimes when we get our hands on these cards, maybe we overthink it. We just overthink it a bit. And ultimately, I think that time is going to really shine brightly on this card. And if it gets buffed, then for me, it's gravy. I was high on Ravona when she was in the dumpster. I never believed she'd have been buffed to a 2-3. I still can't believe she's a 2-3. I think she's better than that. And I'll keep riding it. I don't care. My, I won't go into too much detail because I have a deck guide coming up shortly. So I'll let that do it. But my favorite Grandmaster deck 
is discard. That's all I can say on the matter is discard. That's where I found the best win rate. And I do think he is going to be a staple in there. I'll just, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there, buddy. But I can't really, wait to see it, buddy. Really we just finished Tide Run. Discard needed something. And now oh, here fire. we go. Cozy's oh, getting excited. It's good. I'm, I'm only at, here's the thing, because I don't even want to talk too much on it yet, mainly because I'm at 30. Let me look at the stats all in 32 games. Okay, 32 games. But in 32 games, 64.5%. Not, not good, mad buddy. about it. Not mad about it. We'll see. We'll see if it lasts. I got to play a lot more of it, and uh, we'll have to see. But yes, Grandmaster, at the end of the day, he does something that no one else does. You also get pretty good cards alongside him if you don't have those. I think he's one of the more interesting ones to come out, and I think people might regret not having him. We'll have to see. Final rankings, you said about 4.5? Final, final rankings, yeah. If you if you combined everything in the, with like the future, proven everything, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm good with 4.5. I'll die on the hill. Yeah, I'm staying at four. I think people would have expected me to drop off, and I'm like, no. I think this card's a four-star card for me. Um, I mean, listen, per actual performance-wise, first week, it's probably close to a three. Yeah. But as someone who played an absolute asinine amount of this card, I am confident in saying this is a four-star card. That's the best card. way to put it, yeah. I, yeah. I think so, too. Like, I think if you, yeah, you know, show me the stats, like, awesome, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, he sucks. Go ahead, don't get him. Like, I, I think he is going to be uh, good in the future. Absolutely. And that brings us to our top 10 cards in Marvel Snap, sorted by win rate and positive cube rate. These stats have been sourced from untapped using post-infinite stats. And there's a lot of interesting things here. First of all, the win percentages are much tighter than traditional because I think the game's balance is much tighter than usual. And we don't have these crazy outliers. So on aggregate, we're seeing decks that are a little tighter. Now, what I will say is that I want you guys to guess, maybe a couple cards, down in the comments section below, give us like what, like a couple cards, give us your top 10, give us your top five, top three, whatever you want, but I bet you, you're not gonna guess number one, because I double checked, triple checked, and then cross-sectioned other stat sites to make sure, I was like, are you kidding me guys? We got some spicy stuff in this list here. We're gonna start at number 10, Cozy, and there's no surprises here, at approximately a 50.7% win rate, it's Eliath. Eliath, the big purple monster, has fallen off from its prior kind of perch near the top of the, the meta. I mean, it's still annoying. We're seeing less of it. It was shadow buffed to a 6-3 for about an hour. <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional or not, but uh, Eliath comes in at number 10. They're always changing the power that I'm like conflicting myself. Like I was playing a C3 deck the other day and I was like, oh my god. I was like, wait. Wait, Eliath's in here for the final... Wait, no. Is he 6-2? Is he 6-3? I'm always confused now what he is. I'll say this. I don't have a problem with the card. I know some people really hate him. I feel like I don't see him enough. And now when I'm seeing him, it's in the decks that I thought I would be seeing. Like, you deserve to lose if you play a lockdown deck and you're losing and it's turn five and there's one location to play. You got to know by now. You got to know Eli's going to be in that deck. He was in Destroy a little bit. You know, people were trying to make him work with Grandmaster a little bit, which is fun. But I, I'm kind of okay with him. He's kind of yeah. Yeah, I I feel like I'm okay with Elias for the most part as well. Like I do agree, he's becoming increasingly more predictable. Although there are times like oh, it's kind of frustrating. The where it's frustrating is when like you're you're not sure if they have Elioth and the deck shouldn't probably have Elioth. You're down two locations and you have like an Orca and you're like I could play it, I could win. They're not, but if he plays Elioth, I just lose and you like retreat. And like, they're like, I don't know why they retreated there. I wasn't that, you know what I mean? It's like, like PTSD. I think you said it weeks ago. Like you'd want to know, like hopefully on the month report, they're like, you gave away this many cubes to Elioth players to who did not Elias. draw Elioth. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, it, and also it's like your, uh, your live flashing before your eyes. Uh, I, uh, it's actually on my, uh, one of my latest YouTube videos where like, it's an eight cuber. And I'm like a middle lane, right lane, middle lane. I'm like, let's go right lane. It was like a hazmat. So it didn't matter. Right. So I played them all right lane. 
and then a lieth was played in the middle and i was like oh my god like, like because i went back and forth for so long which one to play and i wasn't even guessing in a lieth right so he does have that effect and i think it's good kind of that, that that exists he's a release valve in some ways he just can't be too good Absolutely. And we're going to go to number nine here, and it's Jeff the Baby Landshark at 50.7%, slightly higher uh, cube rate than Galactus. Now, again, these, these win rates seem low, but I, I confirmed these are untapped, latest patch, post-infinite. This is what we're looking at, right? Like, it's quite interesting to see that these, these win rates have been compressed as much as they have. But Jeff the Baby Landshark running at a 21% meta share. I'll add that Eliath was 20. 11%, right? Jeff's at 21%. 21, dude. That's one in five games. I think that's also why he's just like has such a good win rate. Like, Jeff's a good card. I'm like not, like, I have been taking Jeff's out of some of my lists. Maybe it's because I'm like bored of him because he's in a okay. lot of decks that do good. Like, right? They just do good on aggregate. So his stats will be good on aggregate. Not saying that he's not an incredible card. I feel like, though, like he's fine. He's good. Like, he's really, really good. But like, now that Pro X has kind of been tamed down a bit and Miss Marvel needing to, that being said, pretty much every list has Jeff, right? Like just so many lists have him because he's just good value, stats, utilization, all of it. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, listen, I, I'm a believer of Jeff. Jeff, I always have been. It's one of my favorite cards in the game. And it really, it is the, it is what all two drops are judged by, right? Like, does it compete with Jeff the Baby? Does it displace Jeff the Baby Landshark in a deck? And that's kind of where you judge. Going to number eight here, we do have Silver Samurai, which is a bit of a surprise to me. Silver Samurai running a 50.9% win rate, but only a 1.7% meta share. And I mean, Cozy, you literally talked about this on your end there. We're talking about the top decks of Marvel Snap. You're talking about that, the discard Silver Samurai deck. So why don't you run us through what you've been seeing? I mean, it just makes sense because he is built to be great in the deck that he's in, right? So is these stats on seen in deck or played? What is these stats on? I don't know. I believe these are when they're just in the deck. They're in the deck. That makes sense. So that deck does like really well. And if Silver Samurai is played, you are benefiting off that with X-23 or getting rid of Dock and Shard. And most of the time, especially now, think about these cards. Noel, Blob, Arnim Zola. These are cards that are really, really good and they're dependent on or Eliath and you get rid of them. And that's such a massive advantage because it's the lowest power card. And so definitely he's just solid that way. And it doesn't surprise me that we're starting to see some of the, I, I bet you we might see other cards in that deck because it's so good, dude. It's like a Sarah control deck. Absolutely. And you know what? It, it did surprise me so, uh, to see Silver Samurai performing as well as it does. But again, a very niche card. And I do find that this card, because of the shells it's playing in, is going to be more disruptive than something like just a regular Black Bolt and like a Dark Hawk shell, because you're not discarding a rock under most, you're discarding a piece of their, their pie, right? So it's pretty interesting to see that Silver Samurai has had like a disruptive element to its play. Then we go to number seven. Cozy, you'd be so happy about this. Believe it or not, it's Arrow. I don't think a lot of people would have believed that Arrow's win rate was this high, only at 1.8% meta share, but it's coming in at seven overall with a positive cube uh, gain and a very decent respectful win rate. The card is seeing additional play in the the like mobster move style decks, but I think that the 5-9 is just decent stats while providing quite a bit of disruption that's pretty tailorable depending on your game situation. Oh man, I love, I love it. I mean, I love it for a couple of reasons because Arrow is Arrow and I love Arrow, but I just, I, there's something special about seeing an OTA and or balance patch kind of work itself out over time. And we, we continue to see that, you know, 
you know, I mean, heck, you, yourself, you were definitely like, I don't know. I don't, Aero, I tested them all. I wasn't crazy about her. After, this was yep, a while right. back ago, right? There's accounts that just like love. They hate, they like hate themselves so much that they want to like post just hate on the game. Like, I think that's the main purpose of uh, some of these accounts. But they were like, Arrow is terrible in every way you look at it compared to the old Arrow. And it's like, okay, you know, it's just not. She's good. You can tell. What's her win rate? What was it at? It was at a flat 51% at a uh, 0.11 cube rate. It's, it's surprising. It is. And, and, you know, maybe because you're getting the displacement and then you're having the nine power, only three less than Magneto of the stat stick. And then you're playing on Kingpin too. Most of the time, so you're getting this like massive, massive flip. She's not played in a ton of decks, but it just speaks that you know Mobster's doing so well. I'm surprised Magneto's not mentioned yet, if not at all. Magneto actually does not make this list at all. And again, it's worth noting that these are post infinite stats. The win rates are significantly higher if you include prior to infinite because of the bot inflation and stuff like that. But yeah, Arrow is definitely a performer and it, no, Magneto does not make this list, ironically. It's because Magneto's in the, in the Helidex and sometimes it just, I don't know, what does it just go out there and just doesn't get it well, done? Yeah, but that's right though. But there are cards like Hella, for instance, which are low win rate, but higher cube rate, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so like those types of things will definitely play a factor but what the next card is what do you know number six here are we number six yeah we're number six number six is the good boy the good big boy and it's lockjaw lockjaw coming in at 51.1 percent 10.5 percent of the meta it's definitely gained in popularity both in thanos and obviously like black black knight discard and pretty much hella discard it's it's everywhere right now cozy what do you think of the big old dog yeah man Lockjaw is just fun. I love, I love to see Lockjaw in discard again. Uh, way back, it was around November 2022. So right when Snap came out. I think it's still like a top three most popular video that I have. I, it's somebody, it's a, I don't know why it popped off, but it did. Discard Lockjaw was in that video. Do you remember that the early days of Discard Lockjaw and how good that was? It's so cool to it, see him back in not just like, I'm going to pump Thanos stones into him until the dog is just like desperate. Like I, I love to see more use out of them and, and, and discard lockjaw is, a, is such a fun way to play it it's funny it was a fun way to play but it was also a stressful way to play it because like at the time bleed for instance which was a primary was target to Blade to was hitting the hell every time it didn't have yeah. blade wasn't what it is now it was like i'm discarding whatever the hell i want to discard right yep. usually exactly i don't know if you do this cozy i do this when i used to play blade or like sword master or something I would like intentionally like not look at the screen because I'm like, I don't, if I look at it, it's going to discard what I'm looking at. Yo, I still do that. I still will do like Gambit. I'll be like, I'll like stare at, you know, my Modoc and like, just don't, don't, don't do it. And then just surely <laughs> enough, it's like, no, like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Anyway. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I, I definitely do that as well. As we move on to our next card, number five, and um, dare I say cozy. You called, we're talking about the best decks. This is where Black Bolt, Black Bolt makes a comeback here. And it's funny, I said, hey, Black Bolt can be a 5-9. I actually don't think that Black Bolt itself is the reason why its win rate is way. I feel like it's like the shell is working so well. Because usually it's discarding a rock. I think it can definitely be 5-8 power still, but it's running a 51.3% win rate and a 0.9% of the meta, less than a percentage of the meta, which surprises me considering how good those decks actually are. After this video, I would expect that the with the play rate of Black Bolt should increase. If it doesn't, I I can't. I don't know what else Cozy and I can do to tell you that Black Bolt stature and even just like any deck featuring Black Bolt is actually pretty strong right now. We've talked about it multiple times, but yeah, Black Bolt's back. Good card decks, man. Miles Morales stature, Black Bolt. They're just good. They're good. 
Been trying to make a list like that work more and more. Definitely fun. Top four now. We're into the number four. And Cozy, this is where you get a little bit of validation. This was a card in August that you were pumping as hard as you could pump, saying this was going to be a meta-defining card. And you nailed it. It's X-23. X-23 at a 51.5% win rate, 5.6% of the meta. An absolute staple in Destroy. There's very rarely a Destroy deck that does not feature X-23. Uh, you called it. You said this card was going to be an absolute staple in discard. And it, it has been. It has been i appreciate it yeah destroy it it's it feels like a card that if you don't have to destroy you're at a significant disadvantage i mean just significant it just does so well like getting you to be able to play null early and then or most importantly killing her on turn five playing deadpool and null that's a very important combo that you want to make sure you hit or just getting things out earlier the more stuff you can destroy the better and it just allows you to do more and more of that and then, of course, that Black Bolt list, you're able to do the same with, you know, something like Silver Samurai. You can, you know, uh, get rid of X-23, discard it. A lot of unique ways to play her, and, and definitely is just a good card. Absolutely. And you even see people, like, just like, man, I got my Hulkbuster. I'll throw in an X-23. Yeah, What's the worst not? that can happen? Because right? it can't die. I'm just generating value. It can't yeah. die. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or so, Forge. Uh, yeah. she's, she's been very flexible, much more flexible than perhaps initially anticipated. Now we're into our top three. Top three, Cozy. There's a couple surprises here, but two of them are kind of... I will say they're holding hands. They go hand in hand with each other. And the first at number three is going to be Darkhawk. This actually surprised me, but not surprised me considering the nerf to Blob. Darkhawk comes in at number three to 5.6% of the meta. I've been playing a lot of Darkhawk. I like Darkhawk. I think he's fine. I think he's back. If you're playing against a Thanos-based player and you know that they're playing the Blob-based shell, then you know you have to be, you know, a little hesitant if they're snapping going into turn five or six. So you just got to know the game. You got to know the meta. You got to know the opponent matchups and expect the unexpected, or to be honest with you, just expect the expected. They're going to Blob you, right? So Darkhawk, number three. Is Shang-Chi on this list? No, he's not on the list. That but he's the highest mind. play rate. That blows my mind though, right? Like win rate wise, I feel like it, my lose rate, like which card do you think you lose to the most? Card I lose to the most? Man, that's such a good question. I don't think it's Shang-Chi and it's not a Lyoth. Like Shang-Chi does take me by surprise very often. I feel like I lose to death a lot because I don't, I'm, I'm like, where's death going to go? Do they even have it? Is it free yet? I wasn't doing the math because I just, I just never do it because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's one of the cards that catches me by surprise a lot. So, I mean, a lie doesn't catch me anymore because I think I play too cautious as we joke about all the time. But hmm, I don't know, Cozy. How about you? I think it might be Shang-Chi. Not that I don't anticipate it on like my big card or whatever. I just... It's got to be that SOB. Like, I feel like the games, or it's probably for me at this current state, it's Magneto and then Shang-Chi. I wonder if we were to do it by cube rate top down, I wonder if Shang-Chi's higher because of the surprise factor. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. So we Maybe have- That's a topic for another week. So, so Darkhawk at three, two and one. Number two is going to be Rock Slide, which makes perfect sense. Almost identical statistics to Rock, to the Darkhawk. Slightly higher win rate at a 51.7, but again, a 55.3% play rate. And remember, Rock Slide was recently nerfed from a 3.5, was it, to a 3.3? Three, three? Was it 3.5? Dude, it was correctly? a four-cost card at one point. It's, Originally. That's yeah. So weird. With no Darkhawk synergy. With no, it just like pump, pump Rock Slide. No one played Rock Slide. Dude, I can't believe it was a four cost at some point, right? Like he feels great at three cost. Yeah, I love, I love rock slide. It's, it's it, man. It doesn't feel bad when you get rocks on the opposing end of it, but he also like feels like a kind of a stall play. Like 
I mean, pumping two rocks is great, but if you don't get those rocks as the opponent, you're just kind of like, well, they wasted turn three. Not that they wasted it, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think he's great. I think he's perfect for what he does. Really well statted. I don't think he will get an adjustment. No, I, I don't think he gets an adjustment either. You're right. He was a 4-6, I think it was. And he got nerfed to a 4-5, then brought down with 3-3, which is ironic for me because I think that like at 3-3, you just now, hey, that's like free Zabu. It's basically a free Zabu Perfect. now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Because you're paying him, playing him for the effect, not so much the power. The power was nice too. Number one, this is going to be contentious. And I double, triple check the stats to be clear. And I was surprised. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? This actually makes sense. It makes sense because of what we're seeing in the meta right now. Number one top rune rate card. Cozy showing Quicksilver. It ain't Quicksilver, Cozy. It is Black Cat. I could not believe <laughs> a Black Cat at a 52.1% win rate, 4.3% of the meta. But you know what? We talked about it on your side. We have, uh, you know, the the discard decks with Black Black Knight running Black yeah. Cat very often. Those decks are high performing. Hella, most of the very high win rate Hella decks are running Black Cat because it's just a free nine that gets discarded for free. You don't have to worry about. If it gets discarded early, and if you lock jar your Hella, at least you're bringing Black Cat back. Black Cat actually makes sense, and I don't think anybody would have had that on their bingo card. To the point, I checked multiple websites. I'm like, is Black Cat's win weight actually this high? And it is high. It's, oh cra gosh. it's crazy. I couldn't believe it. Hella's just going wild. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny. Discard's dead, but we have, and not that these are in your traditional discard shells we used to talk about, but Black Cat, X-23, Black Bolt, Saber Samurai, that's a lot of discard on the top 10, man. That's crazy. I... Is this the past 30 days, I'm guessing, or something like that? The past month of data? So the way it worked was it was post-infinite, latest patch. Latest and, patch. Um, it was great Yeah, portal. the latest patch. It so it would portal. have incorporated any... No, that would have excluded any locations, actually, so... What, great portal. Yeah, no, it would have had to locate... It would have to, right? Like, great great portal gave you plus 10. That was a huge hella... A huge hella time. Maybe they maybe got, like, a small... A small spike there? Does it include? I don't know. I'm not sure. But either way, it doesn't surprise me. Hella and Black Cat. Well, okay. It does surprise me at number one. Yeah, it should yeah. surprise you. It surprised me. <laughs> I guess it's just weird that it's like, it's Black Cat that gets the spot and not like Hella or whatever. But I guess because she's not in that many decks, but she's only in these decks, right? Like she doesn't, her performance doesn't squander. I just thought maybe Black Bolt would be much higher. She has a 4% play rate too, dude. That's insane. 4.3% Black Bolt's at 0.9, which is crazy to me. And like, again, I double checked these stats, man. I, I couldn't believe it myself, but that's what makes a very interesting conversation on the Snapchat. And now it's time for our favorite segment that we do every single week, and that is the Snapchat mailbag. If you have a question you'd like to ask Cozy and I, let us know down below in the comments with mailbag and, of course, your question. We're getting started with question number one from Samuel, and it reads, With the confirmation of album improvements, what albums are you most anticipating for the future? For me, I hope to do an album with the Noir variants. It's a good one. It's got to be Pixels, right? Like, I feel like yeah. it has to be Pixels because I just want to see... I want to know, I want to, I hope they give out like a grand, like bad looking, but pixel as the final prize, like some horde pixel and just like seal off the hate they get. But the Max Grek, I think would be cool too. I have a lot of Max Grek variants. Would love to see Ryan Gonzalez, another great artist. Would love to see that as an album. You know, my favorite artist in Snap, obviously we already have Dan Hip, but more of those. I absolutely agree. I do think that the Pixel one's a good call. And I think they need to focus more on the 700 gold ones as well. Yeah. Because those are accessible by everybody through the collection track. Like you can get 700 gold variants as part of your like 
progression, right? So I think that that keeps people engaged with the system, gets them rewards, keeps them engaged with the game, which is a good thing. And then, of course, I want to see the Archer ones eventually and stuff like that, yeah. right? Uh, but ultimately, I think... I don't know if they answered this in the Q&A, but I think they said that they do intend on have pretty much every variant eventually in an album of some sort, collectible, achievable, and providing you with some sort of progression. So at least that's good. I'm glad that albums are getting touched up. Yeah, I'm ready to see them, man. We got the other ones at like Christmas, and now it's, let's go. Let's get more albums. I'm ready to see them. Question number two comes from the FBI agent 69420. Had to read that full name. How would you guys feel about a card mechanic that revolved around the snapping mechanic? Maybe like a high standard four cost that automatically snaps for you once it's revealed or can only be played if you have snapped. It's Marvel Snap, and I love to see cards based around the snap mechanic. Yeah, that's love a, the show, guys. That's a fire idea, man. I love that. I love the specifically like the four cost shout out where like you have to have had to snap already or it's like a 412 and it just snaps for you no matter what, right? And like you're just kind of like all in on the YOLO effect. That's really cool. I thought he was going to go more. There's a data mine, Mephisto. He was like a 6-0. If you play him, you double the odds. You can get 16 cubes or whatever, which is really cool as well. But I like that idea, man. I was leaning towards like a card that gets like plus five or something if your opponent has snapped. That seems really cool. Like a defensive card where it's like they snap and then your card just gets buffed. That's like a defensive like, no. No, like that almost could be Captain America, honestly. Captain America's shield. It's like, oh, you're snapping. Boom, the shield comes yeah. up. Cap's worth plus five or like he does plus two across the board or gets a blue Marvel effect or I don't know, man. I'm just making stuff up. But That's cool, I thought of this defensive card, that would be cool. So yeah, there's so much great custom card design thought processes and, and we, we're starting to see some of them creep into the game too. So fire idea, buddy. Absolutely. And question number three comes from Joker NPC. I've been finding the climb from 90 to 100 harder than before. The bot matchmaking always seemed to have the answer, but it's been so much harder the past three months than the previous three months before. I hate having to try and grind out 90 for three or four weeks. I get no chance to have fun and ranked at all because I'm stuck grinding the same decks. Has anything changed from rank 90 to 100? No, it has. But I will tell you this, man. Uh, when I was in high school, college, or let's take tennis, for example, and I was on my last set, and I'm like smoking this guy, it's the hardest set to win. Or if it's tied, it's the hardest set to win. If you're in football and you're going into overtime, it's the hardest quarter to win. You're right there. That's just, that's just the law of it, right? Like you, when you're right close to a goal or an objective, it's typically the hardest time, buddy. So my advice is like, almost like try to not picture your 90, man. Just play the game. Play the game as you would. Be a little bit more careful on it, but that's just kind of the the law of competitiveness and statistics. At least from my experience, that you know, the closer you get, the harder it is because that you want it that much more. You're 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 eight snapping on ninety seven because you could get there, but you shouldn't. It's things like that. There's a couple of things I wanted to bring up as well, and I think one of the things is that I think the player base is getting better. There's more information out there. People are much more experienced. Just like yourself, people that are in the 90s are good players. Like They're players that are like well aware of the meta. They, they got the good decks. They got good collections. So I think the competition has just increased, right? So that's something worth considering. So those are a couple of other things worth noting here. Oftentimes, I think people that have a hard time climbing, there's two things you can do. First of all, you're often not retreating very often. Like I've, I've kind of watched, watched streams and stuff like, they should probably leave if they care about their cubes. And they stick in games where, like, they have very low percentage plays. Like, for instance, they don't have initiative. And, like, I'm like, that deck has a Lyoth in it, <laughs> right? Like, you're staying in for eight, and, like, that deck has a Lyoth in it. Accept the four and play it safe, and then they roll and they get smoked, right? The other thing worth noting is if you're having trouble climbing, 
Play a consistent deck that you learn the ins and outs and the snap mechanics on. This kind of gets understated, but when you're playing a very specific deck and you get used to the mechanics of it, you start to identify when you have your snap scenario, right? So I think that when you know when you are ahead statistically and you're able to snap on those times, then I think you have a greater opportunity to climb more effectively. But ultimately, I think people are just getting better and you're probably way better than you think you are and I'm sure you'll get to infinite at the end of the day. Our next question comes from I am a Barty and it reads Which single roguelike game describes you and Cozy and your playstyles in Snap? Like, for example, Cozy is Binding of Isaac because he loves combos and breaking the game, and Alex is a Slay the Spire because he's very tactical and builds crazy decks. I got a quick one while you think, Cozy, because I know that's like a bit of a right hook for you there. I'm going to tell you because Cozy's like, what, How am I supposed to even answer that? I think, I think that I'm kind of like Hades. I'll, tell, I'll explain why. Because when I'm playing Marvel Snap and I get introduced to a new character like Beta Ray Bill, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and find out more stats. I want to find out more information. I want to find out more about these heroes and I get drawn into the lore. Hades did that for me. When I was playing with all these different heroes, which apparently might, I didn't realize half of them were in the Eternals, by the way, which is kind of an interesting thing. But the other side to that was I was like, you know what? I get drawn into the meta. So I feel like with Hades, the story side around it was really interesting. And I get really drawn into the story and the MCU and the comics of Marvel Snap in a way that I never was before. So I'm going to say I'm a little bit like Hades. Yeah, you can tell who gets these questions ahead of time. I didn't like a great example. <laughs> I'll take your Binding of Alex, buddy. Or, uh, Binding of Alex. I'm going to call it that now. Binding of Isaac. Great, great idea with the combos thing. So I will steal... The answer of, of, of the question asker of Binding of Isaac. Great game, by the way, as well as Hades. Hades 2 coming up soon. I'm going to say that, okay, I had one prepared for you too, Cozy. Have you, have you ever played Enter the Gungeon? Uh, no. No? Oh, man. So Enter it's the really Gungeon is like this like, I know bullet it. hell game. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? I know about it. Yeah, Where yeah. like you just collect guns and you just shoot stuff all over the place. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that's you. Crazy chaos, stuff flying everywhere, combo stuff. Like that's that's you, baby. That's yeah. what I, I've... Anybody that's played Enter the Gungeon, that is Cozy's, uh, you know, uh, analogous Marvel Snap game. Okay, I'll have to give it a, give it a whirl. Absolutely. And we got one last question here, and it's from Edwin Edmund Reads. With broken cards releasing and getting a nerf or buff later, can Second Dinner go with top Marvel Snap players for testing and balance? I know fighting games do this, but will Marvel Snap? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I would like for them yeah. to. Uh, I, would I definitely agree. Like, I would like for them to. I don't think it's going to happen. The thing that I always go back to, and I, I see this get offered a lot, you got to remember that I think that some of the best decks in Snap... They're not always coming from the people you expect them to. When a card gets released to the masses, what happens there is completely unpredictable. Because, I mean, the development team is trying to add additional resources to balance. And even with some like pro players and content creators and stuff helping with balance, it'll never replicate what a full wide scale release will do. It just never will. There'll be someone out there that'll figure something out, that'll break the game, that'll find a way to make a synergy happen, and that that will elevate the card in a way that you perhaps never expected. So that's something I would mention. Yeah, I mean, I think there's times where it's like, we could have given advice, you know, like, hey, Blob looks like he's probably gonna be pretty crazy, but here's the fun part, and Loki, that's where people point to. How did they not see it, Alex? How did they, how did they not see it? I'll tell you how. Go look at reviews. Go look at what we had to say about Blob, what we had to say about Loki. We were high on them, but we were not thinking they were going to break the game. Not even close, right? Like, you can read no. something and you just don't... We were like, Blob's like a four-star. He's good, right? Like, wow, his power. We even broke down everything that he would do. And we broke down what he's doing now. Like, there's nothing different on when we broke him down to what he's doing now. There's nothing new discovered. 
just in practice, you're like, oh, this is crazy. It's very hard to tell. It's very hard to tell. Absolutely. It's a very difficult job. And once it's in the hands of the masses, there's no way of knowing just what will happen. Thank you guys so much for watching and for supporting our content. Leaving a positive review is generally helpful for, you know, helping the podcast get out there amongst the masses and friends. Alex, as always, great episode of the Snapchat, buddy. And congratulations. We always throw a little NFL talk in here. Congratulations to Niners fans and Chiefs Kingdom, Patrick Mahomes, for making it to the Super Bowl. We'll be talking to you around then for sure. Alex giving all of his hard cut Canadian advice for the NFL fans out there. As always, guys, thanks for listening. And until the next one, happy snapping.